I am one voice that stands alone. I am one choice to man the throne. Stand guard and take shots. Give it all I got. All I got is this microphone. All right. Welcome to Pulp Revelators. We, tonight we've got one of our first Book of the Month clubs. And what we decided to do was we've got uh, Tom King, who is a DC-based uh, writer for DC. He's also written for Marvel. He came out with a, a book called Heroes in Crisis, which looks at some of the DC superheroes, some of the, the, the trinity of Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, uh, and some of the recurring characters, and what happens when heroes go through trauma and have to process it, and it, it's an interesting way for our group to look at it. We've got, when we have our fully assembled group, we've got two police officers and a former army medic uh, who have all dealt with trauma, dealt with different things, and so we thought it'd be a pretty cool book to, to look at. Uh, we're also going to be talking to Tom King at some point with it. And um, so, without further ado, here's our episode for Heroes in Crisis. Okay, so I guess um, the first thing that we'll do is we'll go ahead and uh, go around the table and just uh, get everyone's kind of viewpoint, what they thought of it, um, anything they really gleaned from it. And we'll definitely save me for last because I have a lot <laughs> to say. Um, so, we will start off with Jeffrey. You know, when I didn't know what to expect, really, when I got Heroes in Crisis, I didn't do my homework ahead of time. I wanted it to be something brand new for me when I purchased it, and when we decided that this was going to be the first Tom King thing that we would go through, and it, I've read other um, comics by Tom King, I've, I've been familiar with his work for a long time, um, but this, I, I wasn't expecting this. This caught me very off guard, and actually... Um, I had trouble tracking for a good portion of it, which I think was very intentional because it was a mystery. Um, and as I was going through it and, and seeing how dark this was and seeing the interplay of these characters that, uh, you know, some of which I wasn't even all that familiar with because they're very uh, tertiary or, you know, they're, they're people that are not as well known. Um, you know, I started going through and, and looking at the, the depth of, of this um, this comic and the, what it was dealing with, and it all comes together, of course, in the end. And I don't know, guys, tonight, if we want to give away too much. I'm hoping most people who are listening to us have read this or are going to read this. I don't know that I want to give away that that real ending. Right. I think we can we can leave the, the mystery a mystery. Leave the mystery a mystery. Uh, but by the same token, it's going to be very hard for me also to go into the parts of it that were, were so difficult for me without giving away a lot of that. So I don't know if we're going to need a big spoiler alert here or not at some point for, for can, the episode. We can manipulate our way through it. Yeah. Okay. Well, to set it up, I mean, we've got, you know, you've got basically in Nebraska, sort of the, the Midwest area, you've got a sanctuary that's been created for heroes who, who are going through something. You know, who need to reboot, who need to recharge, they go there. And it starts off with Harley Quinn, who's all the rage right now because of Birds of Prey out, and Booster Gold, who only probably deeper DC fans know who is, um, both thinking that, that, both blaming the other for killing a bunch of superheroes at Sanctuary. So you've had this, 
place for heroes to go to get better, and all of a sudden all the heroes were there dead. Mm-hmm. And so the investigation starts into what's going on, and Harley Quinn being Harley Quinn starts smashing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some brilliance to it. You know, this this whole wrestling with demons thing is is big. Um, there and they, it, it starts off, and they're in a diner eating pie and just hanging out. And Harley Quinn has a line: "No one who, like me, conjures up the most evil of the half-tamed demons than to have in the human beast, and seeks to wrestle with them, can expect to come through the struggle unscathed." And it's like, oh, dude, you know, you kind of got to sit with that. Um, and I think one of the things that King does, it always amazes me. He's, you know. He's got a Cro-Magnon quoting Keats. He's got, you know, all of these things, you know, people quoting poetry, going through, and he just, his character dialogue is just brilliant and and unpredictable. But they added on to what you just said about Harley Quinn. This is a, I don't follow a lot of DC stuff, Mm -hmm. but one of the things that became very obvious in this is Harley Quinn's not crazy, per se. She knows exactly who she is. She's very good at self-evaluation, and she's just going to be who she is. She does a good job with that quote you just said. There's evaluating herself. Well, look, I know, I know that um, I'm damaged. I know that I've got issues. Uh, but yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. So, um, that's, well, hold back, Gary. <laughs> You've been waiting. Well, I'm trying to. I had this whole thing uh, prepared, but with the no spoiler rule, it kind of shoots it. Um, the, uh, the whole, okay. So one of the things that I know a lot of fans, um, for lack of better terms, I'm just going to say it got really bent out of shape over, um, is some of the different characters and the choices they made. And, you know, you've heard a lot of, that's not my such and such. That's not my Batman. It's not my Wonder Woman. And what I think a lot of people don't get and what Tom King was really getting at is, um, trauma changes you. Um, you don't always act your best when you're suffering from PTSD. You don't always make the same or best decisions that you do. Um, if you look at some of the symptoms of PTSD, um, let's see, you have agitation, irritability, hostility, hypervigilance, self-destructive behavior, uh, beeping noises, social isolation, flashback, Fear, severe anxiety, mistrust, loss of interest or pleasure in activities, guilt, or loneliness, insomnia, or nightmares, emotional detachment, or unwanted thoughts. And so you take a bunch of characters that have had these traumas and you put them together and under a really risky type of treatment where you're showing them their traumas over and over again um, and having them share their traumas on video, it's... uh. It could potentially be a recipe for disaster, um, and people aren't going to make the best choices. Plus, also, um, I think a lot of times when people read books like this, they don't look at the character as a whole from their entire history. And while most books are written at jumping on points, as this one is as well, Tom King also pulls in a bunch of, like, History. I mean, he pulls in some, like Jeff said, some characters that have basically never appeared in the New 52 until this book. And they're back. Or if they did appear, it was just like in one quick one-and-done story. And he pulled them back and drew from a lot of their history. 
Um, one character that a lot of people, like, they were really upset because his heroic personality really took a downturn in this, potentially. Um, and what they, what, what they don't really look at is that if you read that particular character's original start, um, and I'm not talking about Silver Age, I'm talking about Modern Age, After the Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, when you take a look at their original series, starting from number one to about issue 50, that character was truly a putz. I mean, mm -hmm. um, you know, was a work-for-hire superhero mm -hmm. um, up to a certain point. He was a womanizer. He did all this stuff. And then different writers started taking over. Uh, Mike Barron was the original writer, and then William Messner Loeb's took over. And then eventually, I'm not going to name the next few writers because I would be like, here, this is who I'm talking about. But, um, you know, end up coming out over the thing, but that just makes me laugh thinking of somebody who's really not involved in Heroes of Crisis, say Green Lantern. Like, right. You, you get your Green Lantern tattoo, and then you know, the next book that comes out, he becomes a mass murderer. Well, hold on a second. Right. I get a tattoo, you can't make him a murderer. It's like, these are characters. They're doing a few different things. Right. And, and Green Lantern has actually been a mass murderer. Been a mass murderer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but when different writers come along, they write different concepts. And then this character from like later on, they finally, he, took this heroic turn. He got this supporting cast that became like essentially, uh, I can't say it because it just gives it away. Yeah. He became, this supporting cast basically became like his rock. Mm. Um, his, I uh, can't say that. Uh, no, I can't say that. His anchor. Um, like kind of his his point that he could always rely on. And then when DC came along and was like, oh, hey, let's do a new 52. And that was all gone. DC's famous for the right. reboot. Right. Mm -hmm. So the reboot pulled out the carpet and, you know, it, it gets to this point where, and a lot of people, they were so bent out of shape about that, but think about it. You, you were kind of a jerk at one point in your life. We've all been there. We, correct. Um, you find something that changes you and you put a lot of, you put a lot of, uh, you put a lot of weight in that sure. thing that changed you. That, that, you know, instead of accepting I changed myself, it was because of this I changed. And then suddenly that is gone. Um, it, it can be disastrous to your psyche. It, it can be, I mean, it can literally spiral you down into this stuff where you don't make the same heroic choices that you would have made. You don't know how to think. I mean, listen to that symptoms I just read. Yeah. Listen to that symptoms I just read. Uh, listen to the symptoms I just read to you. Uh, you know, a lot of those self-destructive behavior, uh, flashback, fear, severe anxiety, mistrust, agitation. Nobody makes good choices under those conditions. If you do, then please write me. Um, but I, I, I want to know what you do. But when you have all that going on with no relief, no support, I don't think my struggle was as much, though, with people who have gone through severe trauma and truly are suffering through that and who do not and who act out of character that when they come to a realization that I've done something heinous, try to cover it up. 
that there's so much more thought that goes into that afterwards because they feel so bad about something that they've done or the way that they treated somebody. But it, it was it was almost this cover up thing that was going on. And again, not to give away too much mm-hmm. what was happening, but that that was the harder part to deal with. Yes, I could see somebody who who could have a temporary, you know, almost insanity, if you will, and does something that perhaps is very out of character for how they are in the norm. It's the cover-up, the follow-up, the way you respond to that, that that is so hard for me, or maybe was so difficult for me within this particular uh, graphic novel. So I'm going to play with something here, you know, because we're getting a lot of different, you know, in, in the superhero world and movie world right now, we're getting some different things. We've just got, you know, Joaquin Phoenix just won an Oscar for playing Joker. You know, a lot of people who are, are classic comic fans don't want the Joker to be relatable. You don't want him to, to be this bad guy. You know, he's supposed to be the right, bad but guy. But people love the anti-hero. Sure, sure. So, and so one of the, the, the idea that when Superman and Batman and, and you know, were first written, that you'd be doing stories like this, you know, with these untouchable heroes mm-hmm. who are these, you know, kind of moral pillars... You know, they don't, you don't write this kind of this. Right, right, exactly. And so one of the things that happens in Heroes in Crisis is that the, the sanctuary is supposed to be an anonymous thing so that, you know, you have your therapy sessions and your thing, and, and they're deleted immediately and they go away and so no one has to know. And one of the things that happens is they start leaking and they're leaked to Lois Lane, you know, and so the question to, you know, we've got to come out with this. And then Superman holds a press conference to explain what you know why they've done what they've done, and it, it just it kind of encapsulates this whole thing. And so as he's having his press conference, he goes, "The questions that arise, the question that arises naturally, if we need peace, if we need to heal, if we need anything, does that then mean we are broken, that we are somehow polluted, are we somehow because of what we have done?" Are we somehow now forever unworthy of your trust? If we acknowledge that those who fight are also vulnerable and sometimes afraid, does that mean that you who may not you may you who may not have fought are now vulnerable? Does that mean that you, all of you, should always be afraid? And he goes into this great speech of why the hero's vulnerability should give you trust, and they and that they've always risen, even knowing that they come through this the hard times. That they've always risen, they've always sacrificed themselves for the greater good. And it's a, it's you know, it's it's a it's a classic Superman speech, and Tom King just nails it. You know, just knocks it out of the park. It's a great way to read. Oh man! So you know, but so so that's that that place, and that's one of the things that that this whole book wrestles with. You know, if these guys who are, you know, gods among us have real problems and can go off the reservation, you know, what what are we to do? How do we respond? And, you know, what next? Plus, almost every character, um, many of the characters I can think of, not, not every character, obviously, but many of the characters I can think of had something um, that's now canon again um, because of, you know, the, all the things that are going on with DC that's now made everything, everything happened, basically. Um, you know, and if you look at it, Hal Jordan, 
became Parallax and slaughtered the Green Lanterns. Now, later on, it was written that, oh, he was possessed by a yellow entity, but for a long time there, it was, no, he did it. Um, Batman, I mean, he... Let's talk about all the jerky things he's done. I mean, he had, in one of Mark Wade's run of JLA, he had a way to defeat all of the JLA that were just brutal ways to beat them, and And somebody stole it. Yeah, and it comes back up in here. In a very funny way, too. Very, very funny way. Of course I don't have that. <laughs> but um, but um, Wonder Woman uh, snapped Max Lord's neck to save the world from him controlling Superman. Barry Allen. Let's talk about all the jerky things he did. I mean, he broke Professor Zoom's neck. Now, granted, to save his second wife, because Zoom had killed his first wife, can't really say I argue with that decision. But then, you know, after... Some he's gone for a while because he sacrificed himself and was brought back. Um, he goes back to change time because he wants his mom back and creates the Flashpoint universe, destroys everything, thereby leaving an opening for the New 52 to happen and for the perpetrator of that to step in and do that. Um, so, which I won't even get into because that's another whole podcast. But, um, <laughs> So, I mean, all these characters have had something bad. So, yeah, I mean, and it's all out of character. Like, up until that time when they did that, that would have been out of character for them to do. Um, but it's we're all one bad decision. And that's one thing that Tom King made into add to Mike's point. In this book, he makes your characters, your heroes, more obtainable to you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because they're not, they're gods among men, but they're flawed gods among men. Mm-hmm. I think one of the cool things about King's approach here is King obviously understands PTSD. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's one thing to talk about; it's another thing to put it in a graphic novel to the point that it's just broken down to its core. And I think that one of the things that he, I think we can talk about some of this the spoiler alerts without giving away the storyline. Mm-hmm. And the storyline is that there is this refuge place that's set up. To allow superheroes a place to kind of recharge their batteries, to talk about what they're experiencing, and to move on. Now, what happens there at that place and the resulting of that event is what drives the story from the beginning. So, one of the things you see here are, are testimonials, the recorded testimonials that Which happen are throughout the book. Phenomenal. They are wonderfully, wonderfully written. 64, I count, actually, it's 65 now. 65 different superheroes are interviewed. And, and give a piece of himself up. But Bruce Wayne's was really cool. I'm going to share that without giving yeah. it away, uh, the storyline. But Batman's sitting here in front of this camera, and he's he's kind of struggling with what he's even going to say. He takes a, takes the mask off, and he says, I train partners to work with me. They become my family. I watch them, and then die. And he just kind of looks around and says, I'm sorry, but he's done with it. See, in that one moment, you see that Bruce Wayne needs to come here to give that piece of himself so that he can go back out into the world and continue what he sees as his mission. Just like a lot of our soldiers do. They come home, they recharge the batteries, they recoup, they're not healed, but they find a way to place that trauma in a little box so they can go deal with more trauma to bring back and put in another little box. And that's what all these heroes do throughout the entire thing. And it's about how how maybe some of those heroes don't do so well in that. It's fair to point out that Tom King was interning at Marvel 
I believe, when 9-11 happened, joined the CIA, became a CIA operative and, and intelligence officer, and went in, into the Middle East and went, you know, his, his travel. So he has seen a lot of this stuff firsthand, and his, he did a, you know, a comic called uh, Sheriff of Babylon. Mm-hmm. That specifically about the Middle East. So he, this is his wheelhouse. He knows it, and so you're right, Tim. He's he's familiar with it. Well, he said this was very personal yeah. for him because he had had a kind of panic attack, yeah. and he had gone in for yeah. uh, for treatment for that, and and he had actually sought that himself. So this was very very personal for him. And, one of the yeah. oh, no, cool. one of the cool things he did is you know you start off the storyline uh, with minor heroes dealing with their crisis, and as the story develops. You get little little pieces, little fragments of the big heroes, especially the big four. They are struggling with who they are and what their mission is. And it seems like, and it would make sense that the more power you have, like the big four, the more of the world rests on your shoulders. You know, not only do you have to save everybody, but you got to somehow keep all these other superheroes in line and the villains to to do what needs to be done to save the world at any given moment. And it's a great job of, of diving through that. Absolutely. And the other thing that, when looking at something that, that is a crisis, that is that, that, that does kind of bring you into some low places reading, the humor in it is, you know, the, the, you've got relationships, you've, so you've got Harley Quinn and Batgirl, you've got Booster Gold and uh, Blue Beetle, and one of the great lines out of this, bros before heroes, it just cracks me up, was a great line. I love, that, I love the scene in, in the diner that we always start off mm-hmm. with, 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 uh, yep. with Gold and Harley Quinn in the diner. And they have a complete conversation yeah. knowing, I mean, it even starts with him going, oh, there's going to be a fight. <laughs> and then they have a full conversation, and it's kind of like, all right, so we're going to do this? Oh, yeah, let's do it. And <laughs> so they go right at it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a scene out of Pulp Fiction. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the dialogue is like that, you know, mm-hmm. when they, and you've got Booster and Blue Beetle, you know, trying to figure their plan out, and you know, right. and, and it's it is it's like you know, it's like Samuel Jackson and and like John Travolta. I tell you from personal experience as a police officer, when you're in the most intense circumstances, things that come to your mind in a split second, just the humor, almost like that that scene in Super Troopers where they jump in the back of the truck <laughs> and then the door gets closed and one guy goes, "Huh, should have seen that one coming." Like, I have so many moments that kind of work. I realized through my career, I'm like, huh, you, think that, you believe that just happened? And it's so quick. You, you process it so quickly, you can you move on. And that's that's what he scripted really well in this book was, huh, all right, moving on. And, and, it, and it is. And, you know, talk about the Booster Gold and um, Blue Beetle relationship. I was so happy to see that back because that's always been such a good comedic um, but then heartfelt and really heartwarming relationship. And I just love the scene where, again, they're talking about the plan and Booster Gold lists this plan and Beetle's like, huh, wasn't it the same plan that got you in trouble to begin with? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but if we do it again, they'll never see it again. <laughs> right. I thought there was a really good twist there, too, mm-hmm. where, you know, Booster becomes the core of this pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then there's a twist there. Mm-hmm. I guess we wouldn't spoil that for people. Right. But it was a really interesting twist, and it was very. I want to really bad. <laughs> I thought it was very subtly done too. I thought it was very subtly done, where you kind of knew who we were going to focus around midway through. But I thought midway through the, the book, there's a shift in character focus, right. and you you, you kind of knew who the focus was going to be on, but you didn't quite know. Even the end was a twist, like oh wow, 
So I'm going to do an audible here, and we'll say, if you do not want to know how this mystery turns turn out, this off. you may turn this the, the podcast off now before Gary explodes. <laughs> and from this point out, we're going to go ahead and talk about the ending of it. Yeah, you know, so Gary's gotcha. notes mean something. I appreciate it. Well, um, all, Gary. So, well, before we get to that, there was a few more things. Yeah. Um, so, one, um, it's already bold in DC Comics when you name your series anything to do with the word crisis. Right. Because <laughs> that already has a connotation for every reader. And it's been kind of funny because most of the time when the word crisis attached is attached to a story, it's in a huge galaxy universe, multiple universe, multiverse spanning story. Um, there's been, I think only really one only time, one other time I can remember that there was a book named crisis in DC that didn't have that. And that was identity crisis, um, back in the, uh, early two thousands, uh, written by Brad Meltzer. Um, and that was a very controversial book uh, because it had very sensitive subjects. Um, you know, there were scenes that a lot of, that a lot of women found insulting. It took heroes that people had grown up with and showed them making poor decisions. That's old enough. I'm definitely spoiling it. Um, you know, there's a group of heroes that have been wounded. Um, it was right after Iris Allen's death. Um, so the Justice League, their arch enemies discovered their secret identities. So they had Zatanna um, basically manipulate the memories and take them away. And it brain damaged Dr. Light, and he turned into this goofball that even the early Teen Titans could beat. And it was just all these issues. And they did it to Batman because he showed up halfway through them doing it. And he was like, what are you doing? And took the moral high road and tried to stop them. And um, they pinned him down and changed his memories, too. And that came out in the book. So, um, th- but I mean, there was a lot of other things with that, that book. There was a murder, there was a murder mystery, um, and the murder mystery turned into sort of kind of like, there was a rape during the murder, so that caused a lot of controversy. This came along and kind of did the same thing. This has been a very controversial book for different reasons, um, but a lot of it has to do with characterization. It, it showed people's heroes not necessarily being heroes. And that sometimes is the case. Um, sometimes people that are very heroic, they make poor decisions. Sometimes the reason why they're called heroes is because they made a poor decision that just worked out right. <laughs> so, I mean, and when you're talking about characters that decide to dress up as bats, that's a poor decision to begin with. And, you know, we've just learned that that's cool. And what is it that Harvey Dent says in The Dark Knight? Um, sitting at dinner and it becomes a mantra later on, but it's like, you know, you're either the hero and die young or you live long enough to become the villain. And, you know, sometimes you're not going to make that perfect decision all the time. We've seen heroes fall constantly because they do something heroic and then their next action is the most incredibly stupid thing you can see somebody do. And you see it in the army all the time. Um, And it's just insane. So, he took and already kind of put a target on himself, which I thought was kind of funny by naming the story Crisis, because everyone's attention is going to turn to it. Everyone. And then he wrote this incredibly intricate story that wasn't your Silver Age, Superman came, moved the earth, everything's all good. Woo-hoo! It, it had a lot of shades of gray. And you end the book not really knowing how to feel about certain things, but you know that that's what happened. One of the things that King does, and you know, has done 
frequently, you know, whether it's Mr. Miracle, whether it's Strange Adventures coming out, or Heroes of Crisis Booster Gold, he takes second rate characters that, you know, don't have a lot of mileage on them right. and, and puts them into these great situations. And so we're at the beginning of the book, you know, trying to figure out with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman what has happened. And it's, it seems it's either Harley Quinn or Booster Gold who's killed everybody. Right. And as you go along, Booster Gold starts to unravel what might have happened. Right. And it's interesting as as you start talking to you know as Tim said all the the, um, the kind of cameo when you're in front of the screen and you're they're talking about their crisis. You know, Wally West comes in and he gets talking about the fact that he became the Flash when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And had all this thrust on him, and didn't really have a chance to process it. Didn't have to, you know. And he's, you know, and he's as he's coming back into being a hero now. He's everybody's hope. You're our hope. You're what we need. You're what we need. Meanwhile, his family has been wiped out. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's got this emptiness. He's, you know, has this feeling of oh, I'm, the, I'm the hope, but I have no hope. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there as a reader, like, this is bomb. Like something, something's not right here. Yeah, and that was, and um, you know, Mark Wade really built the Wally West character to be this heroic character. He turned him around from all that selfish early beginning after the crisis. Obviously, that's who I was talking about earlier since I've said that. Um, and then Jeff Johns came, and Je- I, if there's somebody that's going to make a hero just ultra heroic, and you end his runs like, wow, that dude's the best hero ever, it's Jeff Johns. When stuff comes out on time, but uh, so, but he really does a good job with that, and he, I mean, he turned Wally into an icon. I mean, it, it got to the point where after Wade and Johns, you didn't even need Barry Allen, Flash. He was just the precursor. They decided to bring him back anyway. But um, so I think that a lot of people had a hard time with that turning him into this weak character, but it is spot on because he did. He, I mean, think about it. Who loses their family and then just moves on? Be like, yes, I'm everyone's hope. I mean, yeah. and we're not talking about, you know, Clark lost his parents. It's hard to lose a parent. But when you lose your wife and kids to not something, I mean, to a point where you, you can never see them. It's not like they're just dead and he can go visit their graves. His wife exists but doesn't know who he is and has no feelings for him. And his kids were just wiped from reality. Don't exist. At all, never existed. This is his like, kind of three-panel synopsis of his of his therapy. We learned that I've been a superhero since I was a teenager and was struck by lightning. So when most kids were developing, I was dodging bullets and occasionally getting shot by bullets. We learned that I modeled my life on my beloved Uncle Barry, who died when he ran too fast to save the world, leaving me alone. And as soon as I accepted I was alone and I could go back, go on alone, he came back. Oh. And I had this whole family and love and stuff. I keep talking about that. And it got crushed by a time crisis, uh, multi-something, which was caused by Barry. And they're gone for good, and everyone wants me to be the hope, my symbol of hope for a week. You know? So, mm-hmm. so the person who he's modeled himself after wiped his family. I mean, like, there's no... I mean, all of this, you're just like... Oh. Yeah. But then one of the things I like about this also is... I don't read DC. And this has made me want to read DC. You, there's three different Green Lanterns in this. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they get a couple of different opinions there. You know, they, they do a lot. They jump around. Like I mentioned there's 65 characters they go through. But the other thing I like that King does, and we talked about things that he does in his other works. He did it here, too, at this point. What he does is final. Very rarely um, have I seen a comic book series where there isn't some reversal of the tragedy or some fixing of the tragedy going on. And King doesn't do that. King says, here it is, in the end of all the chaos, how are you going to cope with it? And that's very real for people. If they were to read this, they, they almost everyone can associate with the fact that there's no do-over. Right. You just need to cope with what you have and make the best of what you have and move forward from there. Well, and it's kind of funny. And um, in my counseling life and teaching um, psychological nursing, one of the things that we go through, and it's the same concept with people who have been through 12-step programs. One of their steps is to ask forgiveness from people. And so many people's idea is, oh, they're going to go ask forgiveness, everything's going to be forgiving, and everything's going to just go back to the way it was. That's not necessarily the case. Right. A lot of times people don't forgive them because you don't know the horrible things that they went through because of that person's chemical addiction. So they may not get forgiven, but, you know, and that's life. Your, your actions that you did prior to you changing are still fresh in other people's minds. You may have reached a point of redemption, but not to them. Sure. Um, and that's where this kind of ends, you know, um, especially Harley Quinn. Her actions shows a lot of lack of forgiveness at the end of the book. Um, but you were talking about how he doesn't redeem it. No, he doesn't in this book, but there's already a series that's apparently... In the works. Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, I agree with that. I mean, this, what I like is this is going to be a, a book that... Right. It's almost like we're seeing with X-Men that this is going to create the future for a very long time. Right. And there have to be significant steps and writings done to address everything he did right. in this book. Yeah. So it's um but it I loved it personally. Um I thought it was a good good story. Um it doesn't finish with all roses and rainbows. Um it, it has a really real world consequences on a superhero world. And We've seen that happen before. That's why, I don't know, I, I guess it's just the new fandom that cracks me up. People get so bent out of shape and, you know, they, they act like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did this. And it's not the first time they've done this. Like I said, there's identity crisis, had real world consequences. Um, it, oh, was it, it was Game of Thrones, but there's been more where people are petitioning to change the ending. The ending. Right. They don't like the ending. It's like, what? It's right. their story. <laughs> Right. Yeah, they're along for the ride. They right. get to enjoy what someone who's creative is willing to, to blood, sweat, and tear their way through. Yeah. And you're along for the ride. Just enjoy it. You don't own the characters. Right. Uh, in fact, the writers don't own the characters, but they own the characters at that time. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen it with Batman where people didn't like where the current story, story was going. They were campaigning to get a new writer. And it's like, just... If you don't like it, don't read it. And I'll right. say, you know, right. I'm a King fan, but I mean, to me, King Batman is high water. To me, it's, a, yeah. it's an amazing run that opened up a character to me in lots of new ways. Right. Um, one of the things, and this is, you know, what speaks to your personality, I guess, but that, that ex existential crisis that, you know, Wally West is going through, uh, well, he articulates it, I think all the heroes are going through it, this Am I alone or am I not alone? Right. And, and, it, and it goes back and forth with it. The, the 
okay, I'm just dealing with being alone, then I'm not alone. And then how do I, <clears throat> and there's a, there's a point where he has found all of the, he's, he's done his, you know, running through time and, and grabbing all the confessions and, and, and listens to them all and has this just wave of realizing after all thinking he was alone, that he wasn't. And then there were other people who were going through it and, and it broke it. And it was just this right. beautiful, like, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. Do you guys remember um, in the last Spider-Man, there's a scene where Mysterio and Peter, Peter Parker are on the rooftop. And Peter's just kind of bearing his soul to Mysterio and, and he's listening. Mm-hmm. He's giving him advice and he's just, he's just there for him. And I think one of the mistakes that was made in this book is there's a scene pretty early on where everybody's on their way to the crisis and one of them's like, you know, and it's, it's, her talking to Batman about Superman, like, cats out the bag, and instead of them reaching and, and helping personally, they decided to something a little less personal to kind of do a hands-off approach to, to therapy, and maybe that wasn't exactly the right approach. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you look, there was, like, this was built, the whole program was built on trust. I mean, they had it set up so everything would disappear, nobody's stuff would get out, but yet, the the big three that created this really didn't trust each other too much. Like, um, you know, uh, I gotta find the scene. It's the one where she punches the penny down into the bat cave. That's just a great scene. Yeah, and uh, and he's kind of like, "What? You're not gonna help with that?" But anyway, he, uh, you know, they reveal a lot in that, but they're revealing it to each other after things already happened. Right. Like, um, you know, it's like. Yeah, I want to tell you guys about this, but it happened 43 seconds ago. <laughs> right. It's like, and you're kind of like, oh, so there's no preparation. Right. That's kind of the theme of the big three right. in DC is they don't communicate well. They all keep secrets from their own. And Diana Troy's always wanted to be like, hey, look, the, the moment we're not, the minute we break from being open and transparent with one another is when this all falls apart. That's a recurring theme here that she's right. constantly trying to, to bring those two on board with. And, they, and when they talk about sanctuary, they say, you know, it's, it's created with Kryptonian technology. It has the, the will of Batman, the compassion of Wonder Woman, and the honor of Superman. So, of course, it's this perfect scene, right? Mm-hmm. And, but it's not. And that's the breakdown that the, 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 even the, the Trinity are not perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, their approach was flawed here. I find it also, like, when I think about people in therapy stuff, man, this was a very disorganized <laughs> A therapy session. I mean, just anyone could randomly walk in, but hey, I'm here and sit in front of the radio and do a confessional. And there's, there are beings that are there to assist you and facilitate that. There's no personal touch, and you might see a superhero on your way to your to your therapy session with someone else, or you might not because might be wearing a mask and a gown. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you're just like, wait a minute, how did how did we set up something so perfect and yet it's so poorly run? You almost want to like Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman to stop having ideas because it seems like the recent history of their ideas has been horrible. They, but, should, have, they should have at least like consulted like passages now, but like, hey man, front yeah. desk, do we have somebody there? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? But it's kind of funny, like, um, and again, there have been other writers that have tackled uh, PTSD. In fact, I'm currently working on an article for our site that hopefully will come out about the same time as this podcast, but we'll have to see on that. Um, but like, you know. Daredevil. Uh, Frank Miller writes a great character spiral downhill and 
sometimes redemptive arc. He, he did it with uh, Batman and Dark Knight Returns. He did it with Batman and Year One. He did it with Daredevil in both his runs, but left them scarred. Um, Bendis's Daredevil run, for those of you who haven't read it, he beats that man down and leaves without a redemptive arc. I mean, he just leaves him superhero You don't want to be it's Matt Murdock. Yeah, he just... And, and well, well, exactly, because even after that, um, Brubaker took over. I'm like, oh, sweet. Just beat him down further. And all the way to the end of that series, the man just got beat down and made poor choice, poor choice, poor choice. And then Mark Wade, interestingly enough, came by and brought him back and kind of redeemed him and brought him back to the, uh, hey, superhero again. But, it, it's, but those runs were high acclaimed runs. And so it's obvious that there are people out there, whether it be the critics or just the average reader, like seeing their characters – like seeing themselves in their characters. Um, and, you know, I, I go off topic a lot, but you just have to deal with it because I'm in control. But, uh, the, uh, but um, you know, there's a lot of characters, and that, that's where I relate. You know, a topic that we'll talk about much more later, whether it be um, we have a certain uh, writer on or when we do an episode, is, uh, you know, another character that I like the characterization of is Cyclops. Um He's been beat down over the few years, and a lot of people hate some of the choices that he's made in earlier 80s stories, but I always liked it because I came from a dysfunctional family, and it showed dysfunction in one of my heroes. And you're like, oh, so it's okay to sure. be dysfunctional. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what makes him relatable. Right. And this doesn't this makes it very relatable, and there are real-world consequences or at least DC world consequences for now um, to the characters and what they do um, for the big three. They have to live with the fact that they set up a situation again that went bad and left characters and not a good way. Looking back to what you're saying about the, the, the flawed heroes, it also shows us that we all know no one's perfect. Mm-hmm. Anyone who claims to be perfect is going in the very wrong direction. But except even, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> but in your imperfection, we've already discussed this on our episode. In your imperfection, if you find a way to cope and deal with who you are and where, where your shortcomings are and address them and maybe build a team around you where they equal out each other's cancel out each other's shortcomings, then you become something more. Right. And the idea that hero status is, is attainable in all of us. If your flaws are okay, it's how do you cope with them? What category do you put them in? And are you aware of them enough to not let them consume you? Right. When you make a poor choice, do you keep going suit because you're like, oh, I messed up everything? Or do you take the harder road and redeem yourself and grow from that? Yeah. And we've seen that with the Justice League a lot, where some, some of these characters, particularly the Big Three, have had to make not quite one ace, but they've had to make a very harsh turn from the direction they were going because it's just not right. Sometimes they go over the edge before they realize it. Sometimes they get right to the edge and go, wait, we're not doing this. You see it in X-Men. You see it with, um, um, with the Avengers and the Secret Wars where there were several people who were at the edge. Some of them went over the edge and making bad choices and had to deal with that. Other people got to the edge and said, no, we're not doing this. Black Panther was the one who, you know, the council's meeting in secret and they're deciding what to do and he's going, we're not doing that. And they didn't involve Captain America because they knew he would. 
there's a you know the line is is funny pros before heroes, but this idea of of a hero not being alone, and you know first and foremost you have to be a hero, you know, and and you have to do what you you know, but this idea that hey I've got your back, you know I'm here for you as a person, not just as a hero. That's a that's a deep you know, and I think that's one of the things that that comes out is hey we got you we're here for you. And, you know, hopefully we all are able to find that in our own lives where we realize that people are going to be there for us. Mm -hmm. And I love that, uh, just as a side note, some of the, uh, just some of the Easter eggs that Tom King threw in this for his other work, like you have uh, Farda and Mr. Miracle on the cover. Um, There's a line here, there's a line in one of the interviews with the Red Tornado um, where he's like, an android. Yeah, he's like, he's an android, and he's like, I'm thinking about creating a family for myself. I know there'll be some obstacles in this, and but we'll see how it goes. And you know, that's basically vision. a shout out to his vision series. And then, um, you know, they said when they first announced that you would see a clue to his next series in this. I'll admit, I'm excited about what he's doing, and it's Adam Strange and Strange Adventures, because I've always thought that that's such a cool character that we only get spotty stories of him every once in a while, and it's so cool. But man, I was really hoping it was going to be Booster and Beetle for, for a while there, because I was like, because he wrote them so well. Yeah. And hopefully that's still something he does in the future, but it just, I, there's always that connective tissue with his characters that they're real. You could actually imagine bumping into them on the street. And you can see yourselves in them. Like, yeah, he wrote, you talk about people who quote unquote ship characters. They, 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 they love the relationship between characters. The way he wrote Barda and Mr. Miracle was probably one of the best romances ever. Yeah. And it's just amazing how he can hit that heart help that, that just, you just related. You want to be like some of his characters. And, and we've got some of the, the books in front of us. And I, one thing that can never come across in a podcast, but if you go out and pick up Heroes in Crisis, the art is just insane. Clayman, you know, Jeff and I disagree over some artwork sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but the King and Clayman, Clayman has worked with him and Batman and different things, you know, they're just an amazing team together. They get each other, and King has works with a lot of great artists that way. But this is just, you know, there are scenes in here where you just sit and stare at the page, you're like, oh man. Yeah, I love this. I really do. I thought it was fantastic. So I think that'll wrap us up for uh, our first go-round with Heroes in Crisis. Uh, I say we we may have an opportunity to talk with Tom King, and we may have, uh, so you may hear more from us on this one, but uh, I I don't know whether we're in agreement with all four of us that we would recommend go pick up Heroes in Crisis. It's well worth your time for a read. Absolutely. It's nothing more than the fact that it's very relevant in the current storyline. It's it's a great story. Love it or hate it, I think it's a must-read. I really do. Yep, I agree. Uh, I loved it, so I think everyone should read it. Unanimous. Go read Heroes in Crisis. Thanks for listening.
am one voice that stands alone. I am one choice to man the throne. Stand good and take shots. Give it all I got. All I got is this microphone.